G'day everybody, Sam Marwood here from Cultivate Farms. Uh, this is a Country Hour episode uh, that we had the pleasure of being involved in, so it's myself uh, being interviewed in WA Country Hour, and the whole session is about how do you make it possible for young people to own a farm and uh, retiring farmers to step back and back the next generation. Such a great uh, setup. Uh, they had interviews loaded, uh, and uh, we just answered, uh, well, I just answered questions that came in from the public, and it was just really exciting to be a part of. Great to see this sort of discussion happening with the ABC. So uh, listen along, please let us know your thoughts, uh, and let's get you farming. You're well this afternoon. My name's Bridget Fitzgerald. You're listening to The Country Hour. On the program today, we're continuing on our conversation about ways of getting young people into farming, individuals, couples and families who really want to be farmers, but they just don't have the capital to get in. You're going to hear from a few different voices today, people talking about their experiences trying to break in, trying to become farmers. And uh, I'd really like to hear from you. Is that you? Does that speak to your experience? Do you want to farm, but perhaps you can't afford the capital, you can't afford to break in? Or have you managed to start farming? Perhaps you have cracked in by less than conventional means. And also the question, is it different managing somebody else's property than owning your own? And why is that distinction important? You will hear from one farm manager coming up on why he would love to have at least part ownership in his own property. On yesterday's Country Hour, we heard from a few farmers who are nearing retirement age, but they don't have kids that they well, that want to take over their family farm business. And today we're going to meet some incredibly motivated young people who are desperate to be farmers. For Steve Wainwright, farming started as an interest and then later developed into a passion. I think it's, uh, it's bordering on a, an obsession now and, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, the topic around, um, around the dinner table at most nights. Mm-hmm. We, we talk about football and farming, so mm-hmm. um, yep. this is the pathway, this is what we were meant to do and uh, we're determined to achieve it. If he's likening it with football, that's definitely a big passion there. And if you think that Steve sounds keen, wait till you hear from his wife, Raquel, uh, and what she's done to try and become a farmer. It's, it's quite incredible, really. You can see a photo of the couple up on our Facebook page, WA Country Hour Facebook page. And, uh, yeah, pop your comment there or let me know on 0448 922 if you're desperate to get into farming but perhaps haven't found a pathway into it yet, or maybe you have, be keen to hear from you either way. 0448 922 604. First, let's meet Travis Allington. Travis manages a farm in the southwest of the state. He's from Eniaba, about 140 kilometres south of Geraldton on the Brand Highway. He comes from a farming family, but his parents sold off the farm quite some time ago. And after working in agriculture for a while, he's looking for a way to break out on his own. He sat down with Tyne Logan to talk about his options. Farming something that I've wanted to do since I was probably since I was six years old. I can remember going around with Dad on the farm and I've always wanted to be a farmer. It's something I'm extremely passionate about and something that I think 
and I know that I'm I'm very good at and yeah I guess without blowing my own trumpet I guess I think that I've got things to offer that maybe the generation or the two generations above me um, may not and I've got the training behind me and yeah I think as I said before the biggest thing that I've got is the passion to want to succeed and yeah drive things forward for both myself and my family. What's your history in farming? Where have you farmed? I grew up on a farm in Anyaba, uh, north of Perth. So yeah, we had a small farm and my parents managed a, managed a bigger property. Um, sheep farming mainly, a little bit of cropping. And from there I went to, mum and dad sold the farm when I was yeah, 18. So then from there I went to UWA, did an ag science degree. And I've come out um, and I've, yeah, I've done a lot of research in the sheep industry. And I guess that's my passion to make sheep as profitable as they possibly can be. And from there, I went to the Falkland Islands for a little bit and I managed a government farm in the Falkland Islands as well as doing some advisory stuff. And yeah, since being back in Australia, I'm yeah, system farm manager of farm at the moment. I've got yeah, eight or nine staff that I have to manage uh, as well as the farming side of operations. And on top of all that, I've sort of always tried to keep my finger in the pie, so to speak, and I've always tried to um, keep in something for myself. So we've got a sheep, few sheep running around in the Ferguson Valley at the moment. And on top of that, I've got some... Before I went to the Falkland Islands, my brother and I leased 1,500 acres in Beverly, so I guess I've had a pretty good breadth of experience from that respect. Well, it sounds like you're already a farmer, so what what's wrong with just managing a farm like you currently are? Yeah, I guess with any role that I've had so far, the problem the problem is the autonomy with the roles. And if you manage a farm and you're on a wage then there's no real, and I've got a young family, there's no real in 20 years' time. You haven't really built anything, and I guess it's that feeling that you want something for your for your kids and everybody to think, yeah, that's, you know, Travis's farm, and he runs it with his wife and his kids, and, yeah, I think that's something that really, yeah, really drives me to want to own or be in an equity partnership on a farm rather than just managing it. What extra would you bring if you had that kind of partnership? I guess the biggest thing that I bring is extra work ethic and I guess our generation are probably a bit transient in their workforce and yeah, I've had a number of jobs and that's the best thing about just being a farm manager, I guess, is that you can just leave at any point, good, bad or indifferent, but it's also the worst thing. But by giving someone giving someone a chance and giving someone a go and giving someone some real performance. If your performance doesn't match up, then you're not making as much money. I think that really that really drives people to, to want to do better and make sure that make sure that they're making the maximum amount of profit for the investor. Okay, what we're talking about is, you know, potential ownership or a potential equity partnership like you mentioned before. Uh, but what specifically what sort of arrangement are you looking for? I'm very open to to any any arrangement. Um, some arrangement where I get the maximum amount of 
or autonomy without obviously when you've got an investor involved they need they need things to be met and but there's so many different ones you know from equity partnerships where you know i guess i put in a little bit and then the investor puts in the bulk and the the retiring farmer moves off or i think there's a great there's a great need for the retiring farmer to stay on and pass on some of his knowledge for a period of time and have a transfer period so you don't have to find as much equity to start with yeah i guess the key is is for me to find the find a profitable farm that i think that you can make money out from the investor and yeah try and get the investor the first and then hopefully you can get the retiring farmer to you know pass on his knowledge about the farm because even though i guess we might the investor and the farming group might change it a little bit the the retiring farmer that's been there for two or three generations he knows about his land better than anyone else so i think they're they're a massive resource that's not to be discounted would it be eventually ownership well i think that's yeah i think eventually ownership's probably unrealistic and as i said before i've got a young family and i'm probably not in a position to say I want to give everything up for the next 40 years to eventually own a piece of land. I'd rather be 5% equity partnership in a very, very successful business than 100% in a not very successful business. So I guess, yeah, from my point of view, it's it's as much a farming decision as, as a business decision and it's something that could, you know, really help me and my family out long term. So I guess, yeah, as I think it's unrealistic. Even when you go to the bank, the bank most farmers would say the bank owns my farm I don't so yeah I guess the the eventual ownership of the whole property is probably an unrealistic thing but if you can as I said if you can own your five percent of a very successful company then yeah I think you're doing all right could this be an opportunity then for a family that uh, has a farm and they want to expand yeah definitely definitely and I think family farms they go they say right I we need to get another piece of land for my son because you know he's coming home and we really need to expand because we need we need that um that economy of scale whereas they just go straight to the bank whereas i think this is an opportunity to say right where where are other sources of equity and i think as well as trying to match the retiring farmers with the aspiring farmers i think something great that um a place like cultivate farms is doing is is really finding those other sources of equity that and giving some confidence to those investors to say, right, these, these farmers are good, they're keen, they want to do the best thing for the investor. Yeah, I think it's it'd be a great way to to sort of bypass the banks and maybe, you know, spread the risk a little bit on your farm business. Is there an overall message that you want to get across? Yeah, I guess from my point of view, it's it's a mindset change within the whole agricultural community. There's people out there that are probably some of the best farmers in the country that may not be farming in their own right. And I think that's disappointing and we're probably not capturing what the agricultural industry really needs and we really need to be moving forward. And I think my generation is probably the generation that needs to needs to move us, move us forward. Um, and probably in this region, the southwest region, there's also a lot of farming land that's going to unproductive sources, to hobby farmers and lifestyle blocks and um, that kind of thing. And yeah, I think again that's sad because you know this is probably the most productive region in the state. 
I don't exactly know the numbers, but a lot of it's not getting farmed to its full potential. So, you know, if that can change and we can maybe work out a way where everybody wins and the farmer that's moving off the farm still gets maximum maximum amount of profit for their farm and in the future it still gets farmed to its maximum potential. I think that that can only be a really good thing for agriculture, for the whole country really. And let's hear another scenario now, a serious case of a passion for farming. Raquel and Steve Wainwright both come from farming backgrounds but neither had the family farm handed to them. After years of dreaming and saving, they finally managed to buy a 160-hectare rundown property in southwest Victoria. They're currently based here in WA, but they soon realised that purchasing their property over on the east coast was actually the easy part. The, the interest in farming and agriculture started at a quite a young age and, and then it progressed from there and what probably through my late teenage years and early 20s became a, a real passion I was really driven to, to know what I wanted to do. It, I think it's, uh, it's bordering on a, an obsession now and, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, the topic around, um, around the dinner table most nights. Mm. We, we talk about football and farming. So, mm. um, yep. It was my dream to own and work on my own farm. At the time, I knew that wasn't possible on the income that I was um, bringing in each week. So um, I thought, well, how am I going to do this? So I worked from what I wanted to achieve and work back from there, how to make that happen. And I decided to uh, return to study, um, to go to university um, to get a degree. Um, and I looked at what were the highest paid graduates, um, what jobs were in demand, at the time, there was the mining boom, so it seemed a no-brainer to get into the mining industry. And at that time, there was a, a shortage of geologists who were also the highest-paid graduates um, alongside dentists, I believe. So that's what I did. I went and studied geology. Um, with For how many years? Three years. <laughs> um, with the aim of entering the, the mining industry straight after that, which I did. I had a job uh, before I graduated. And you've just flown into Perth tonight. Are you a fly-in, fly-out worker? Yes, I am. Uh, I work on an eight and six roster, which is eight days on and six days off. And where are you, where are you based? Where do you work? Uh, Granny Smith Goldmine, uh, which is just outside of Laverton. But this is purely a means to an end, is it? You, you're determined to get that savings to go back to do what you want to do on the farm in Victoria? Oh, definitely, yeah. This is um, part of a grander plan. You know, I enjoy my job, but farming is my passion. It's a job I do. It doesn't make my heart sing. I work with some really wonderful people, but my passion is farming and my goal is to get on a farm and work full-time on a farm with my husband, <laughs> Steve. I love the way you, you guys compliment each other. You, you obviously have similar values. We do, absolutely, yeah. It's, um, it's really funny because... Um, we've been living parallel lives and um, once our paths crossed, um, it was just a meeting of minds. Um, I mean, I was on this journey alone. Steve was on the journey alone. Um, his dream was also to to um, buy a farm and, and be a farmer. And just opportunistically, uh, I was living in Brisbane, just about to move to Townsville in North Queensland, and Raquel was living, studying geology in Ballarat in uh, in Western Victoria, and it was just a a chance meeting that we crossed paths and we actually grew up in neighbouring towns but didn't actually know each other until our <laughs> early 20s. So, yeah. Um, yeah, meant to be, I think. 
yeah, I was definitely on on the path to farming. Um, that was my dream. But once I met Steve, that just solidified that path. So has farming always been a dream of yours, Steve? Do you have a farming background? Yep. Well, I grew up in town. We had a, a small block with a, a few sheep out of town, and my my parents run and still do run a, a transport business. So we were on and around farms all our lives, my sister and I, um, growing up. And I guess the interest really sparked from there and, and, and grew, I guess, into teenage years when you start working and you're working on you know, rouseabouting or on friends' um, farms, etc. And it, yeah, dawned on me, I suppose, and, and got real when I had to decide what to do after I left school and I wanted to be a farmer. And, yeah, once I started studying and, and realised that there was careers in agriculture as well, I was, I was set, I was determined that this is the pathway that I was going to go on. And you currently work in agriculture? Yep, I, I studied ag at Melbourne Uni over in Victoria and uh, worked, worked my way up on the East Coast and, and then did a, a research master's in, in animal science in North Queensland. And I currently manage a 1,600 hectare mixed enterprise farm, uh, research farm for the Uni of WA in, uh, in Pendjali in the Upper Great Southern. So both of you have that passion, you've got that background in farming. Mm-hmm. But how are you going with the original plan of coming over here to try and save up and meet the uh, the expectations of the bank? <laughs> uh-huh. I guess we're doing quite well. Um, we're both working very hard. Um, we're both fortunate to be working professionally in our chosen careers, um, which FIFO allows me to do with um, the location of Steve's job. So, yeah, I think we're kicking goals. We understand there's still... A fair way to go as well. We've we've been in Western Australia now for coming up seven years, and um, uh, if you ask us when we want to be farming ourselves, we'd say yesterday. We're still well and truly on that journey. Uh, yeah, we're under no illusions what it actually takes to uh, not only buy the land but actually get that set up into a running business, and that's probably part of the roadblock. And and also, um, yeah, as I said before, to get that level of scale and expanding, um, that's probably where we're at at the moment. Whittling that mortgage away is one thing, but the um, cash injection into um, capital on the farm and then being able to work both of us or initially one of us full-time on the farm and then um, the main goal, both of us, um, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. You had three years of study. You've been over here for seven years. There might even be another couple of years here and there added on to that. How long is it going to be before you get to the stage where you will have the capital you need to do what you want on the on a relatively small farm. Yeah, just on a, on the on the current block, mm. which will uh, it's getting away a little bit from our our goal of wanting to be in the farming business full time together. Uh, just at that level, we're we're still, you know, we're still uh, in a three to five year plan essentially. Another um, three to five yep. years. When we're going to do it properly, um, and that's and that's probably our predicament at the moment. Yeah, so we will get there. We're, we're committed, we're determined. Yep. We'll, we'll get there eventually. It just might take us a bit longer. Are you absolutely committed to making sure that you own and manage your farm yourselves? Or, I mean, just yesterday in the Country Hour, we were talking about the idea of a, a different mindset where you encourage investors and you set up a different business model. Are you open to something like that? Yeah, absolutely. We're really receptive as we said, we're going to get there eventually, but uh, we want to get there now. We're young, we're enthusiastic, we've gained uh, experience, um, developed knowledge and networks, and we're, we think we've got a lot lot to offer. 
Um, so we're yeah we're really receptive and open-minded to to different business models that you know that can complement what we bring to the table. Have you chatted to any investors or possible investors apart from the bank? Not directly. Um, it wasn't on the on the radar or on the agenda six months ago. I know in in, in the business world this type of business model is is not that uncommon but in farming there's a mindset that exists that you have to be a a 100 percent owner of a of a multi-million dollar business and and that for people not coming from land that whether you're transitioning into a family business is very very difficult so it is providing another alternative for for people like us and, and i'm sure plelenty of other people in our position as well Raquel, if you were to paint a picture for me of what things might look like in, let's say, two years' time for you and Steve, what would it look like, that picture or the photo? Oh, ideally, we would be um, back home either on our farm or managing that alongside a- another uh, farm. The two of us on the farm, um, hopefully with a, a baby Wainwright, uh, the next generation alongside of us as well. Um, and also really importantly involving um, both of our families and our friends and our community. That's really important to us to bring people along with us on the journey and, and make people feel welcome and involved. I suppose you can understand how communities lose young people, can't you? If you've tried this hard and you still haven't quite got there, you can understand why a lot of young people fall by the wayside with their dreams to become a farmer. Yeah, absolutely. We hear it all the time and you just have to go for a drive uh, into the regional communities and look at the the average age of the population and the, the bigger farmers are getting bigger and, and um, yeah, the young people are, are moving to the city and not coming back, which is a, yeah, a crying shame. So I think looking at alternate models to get people, young people back into communities and reinvigorate those communities, I think it, it can only be a good thing. Raquel and Steve Wainwright speaking about their passion for doing something to make uh, their dream come true and uh, to make their farm profitable at Inverlee in southwest Victoria. Thank you to Richard Hudson for that story. And uh, in response on the text line, Glenn has texted in to say he likes this concept we've been talking about yesterday and today. Glenn says he worked on a farm, or he has worked on a farm for 35 years, probably a bit late for me now, but my son has the ability, passion and drive to potentially make it work. Glenn thinks that leasing is a really great option for potential young farmers to get started, but he does admit that this opportunity rarely arises. And on Facebook, where we've shared a photo of Steve and Raquel, Alex says, I'm in the same boat as Raquel, working out in Kalgoorlie, looking forward on buying my first property next door to my father and sharecropping until it's paid off. Good luck, guys, says Alex. Thank you for your input there. Uh, Those three farmers talking about uh, all their attempts to get into farming and actually own their land. Matt has sent in a text and he says he thinks leasing is fine and that people are too caught up in owning the land. He thinks that people should use capital to run and set up farms instead of getting locked up in land ownership. Again, you can have your say on 0448 Four. There are lots of options out there. But for those of you who do want to own, I know it is difficult to raise that capital, but on the flip side, there are so many farms getting bigger and there are 
which we know is a fundamental problem, less and less young people choosing to move into the family farming business. But that's not the case for two young siblings from Manjimup. The Ryan siblings, 22-year-old Jake and 21-year-old Caroline, have just bought their family's pasture-raised egg business with the aim of running it on their own. Tyne Logan headed out to the farm to find out how and most importantly why they did that at such a young age. What chickens do you want to go to? The youngest um, ones? Whatever's the most beautiful. The youngest ones are probably the best looking ones. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fluffy. Hi, I'm Jake Ryan from Three Ryan's Management and I'm part owner of uh, Three Ryan Eggs with my sister Carla Ryan. Took it over from my uncle who used to do it for the last 12 months. He sold it to us at a decent price, so his main sister decided to take it on. He just wasn't for him, so he decided to move on from it. You're pretty young, uh, 22, to own your own farm business and alongside your sister, who is also equally as young. Are you feeling pretty proud? Um, oh, yeah, no, it feels pretty good. Well, the opportunity came up, so we thought we might as well take it, see how it goes, and we'll give it a shot, me and my sister. So that's going pretty good so far quite enjoying it so see how it goes. Do you know many other people your age and your sister's age who can say that they own their own farm business? At the moment probably not, not top of my head but I'm sure there's guys out there. Top of my head no not at the moment. Now you've just come from an agribusiness degree as well, can you tell me a bit about yeah, your background in farming and how long you've been out here? Yep, so I recently graduated at end of last year in November from agribusiness at Kearney University. It's a three-year degree which involves both ag science and business, which was actually came out pretty handy for agriculture in general. Learned a fair bit, fair bit from it. Grew up on the fa- family farm with my dad and my uncle. They were part owners till like, the last year. We're from a veggie, well, veggie and mixed livestock farm, and they've been operating for a long time now. This has got to be expensive to say that you've bought it. How have you been able to afford it? Um, yeah, so obviously didn't have the money at the time for, to buy it off my uncle. So well, like, when the opportunity arose, uh, went and asked for granted if he could give us a loan and he was more than welcome to. So he helped finance me and my sister in the purchasing of the business and we'll hopefully pay him back over the next few years if all goes well. Do you mind if I ask, you know, in the vicinity of how much you, you paid for the business? Is it Was it normal prices? No, he gave us a pretty good deal, so we're pretty happy with how much we paid for it. Was it ridiculous? These chickens are pecking at most. Was it ridiculously cheap, or is it up to standard with what you might pay for a farm? Um, no, it'd be probably up to standard with what you'd pay for a farm. He's just, yeah, he's been pretty helpful with it and all that, so always there for advice if we need it, and give us a hand if you want. Going into it at the age you are, I know you do have a degree and um, obviously you've probably been taught a lot about this, but are you nervous? Oh, I suppose a little bit, but because it's me and my sister, we can always take turns in sharing the workload and all that, and always got my dad and uncle there to give us a hand when, when I need it, and there's plenty of people, the industry's really good, but plenty of people that will give you advice, and if you've got a question on something, they're always willing to give you a hand and tell you how to do it, I suppose. I've probably got a little bit lucky having the farm here, so we've got the land to put the chickens on. That's pretty helpful. But yeah, probably if you were bought, oh, from town or city, you might struggle, just because you haven't got that acres to put them on. 
but yeah, so pretty lucky, I suppose. You're also being quite innovative in, in the way that you've done things as well. Behind us is a caravan, an old caravan that looks like the chicken coop. Can you explain to me what's going on there? Yep, so these caravans, uh, well, we looked at the proper caravans, the actual chicken ones you buy, pre-made, and we thought they were a little bit expensive, so we looked around and saw an instant you buy the old caravans, well, pretty well, pretty cheap, if not free. So, end up getting the caravans, gunning them, putting mesh floors in, perches, nest boxes, lights, and they work pretty well. Chickens seem to love them, so they're all pretty happy, so it's all good. This keeps the cost down a little bit. Yes, just to finish off, um, you know, we are kind of in a time where there's a lot of young farmers not wanting to go back to the farm. They'll go to the city. That farming, Farming's not an easy gig. So why are you doing it and, you know, do you feel confident about the future? Um, well, I love farming, I suppose. I went off to study it and come back and, yeah, and I'm really, I am loving the farm. I mean, I understand, I see why people want to stay in Perth. Perth can be, I don't know, it's more social, I suppose. But back in the farm is a pretty good lifestyle. You can't really beat it. Do you have any advice to other young farmers who might be wanting to head back to the farm, what they should do? Uh, I don't know, but I think it's stay social. No point, yeah. I think that's the hardest part about farming, like social side of things. And yeah, I know. It's just, I don't know, if it's not for you, it's not for you, I suppose. Like, it's different lifestyles of some, what some people might like than that. <laughs> That's Jake Ryan, uh, the 22-year-old part owner, along with his 21-year-old sister Caroline of uh, Three Ryan Eggs. They bought that business from their family members, deciding to run it on their own as a pretty dynamic sibling duo there. And uh, on the text line, uh, one message in through from John, going back to, I guess, leasing rather than owning a farm property. John says, when talking to non-farm owners at an ag school, I would say I've never met a bank manager who owns the bank. That's a very good straightforward point there, John. Zero double four eight nine double two six zero four. if you want to add into the conversation. And it is always really nice to hear of some new entrants into farming, like we just heard from Jake there. But he was pretty lucky. He came from a farming family, which meant that he had access to land from the get-go and that is often the hardest part. Now this is a bit of a different scenario but when WA startup company Wide Open Agriculture decided it wanted to start a business growing vegetables in greenhouses in the wheat belt two years ago, finding someone to finance the project was quite a significant challenge and in particular tricky to find a place to set up shop. The company has successfully been growing produce at its site just near Wagen, since the beginning of this year, Managing Director Ben Cole says the company came to a unique arrangement with a bun, bun, bunteen farmer, could almost get that out there, Stuart McAlpine, to purchase a 300 hectare block of land. The relationship with Stuart came from his work on the regional population strategy um, up in Dalwollanoo, and that's how Wide Open Agriculture, when we were a very young company two and a half years ago, first got in contact with Stuart and as a young company capital is always a major issue but we needed to demonstrate that we were committed to regenerative and diversified farming systems and to do that you do need access to land. Stuart because of his commitment both to um, I guess the repopulation of the wheat belt and also um, our framework, the four returns framework that we apply in our business decision making 
he said, well, perhaps we can talk about a small parcel of land that he had associated to his um, farm um, up in the Bunteen region. Um, that really started the, the negotiation and the process of developing something that was win-win between both parties. We, we didn't want to do anything that either party felt wasn't equitable to them, but also always in the back of our minds was we want to do something that other farmers might look at going forward and say, oh, that's something that might attract me to this option and opportunity as well. So what did you do? Well, effectively, we offered him shares in our startup company. Wide Open Agriculture is an unlisted public company, so we are striving to list on the Australian Stock Exchange. But we issued him shares as, as a deposit for the land. So the land was, was valued um, through um, an independent valuation process. It's a, only a 300-hectare parcel. Um, that valuation process set the price, and then we negotiated the, the amount of deposit that would be paid in shares and then Stuart has um, provided wide open agriculture with vendor terms to pay off the remaining um, interest and capital on that loan over an eight-year period. And how did you ascertain a value for your shares? That's a good question. I mean, as a startup, you have to value it based on the amount of shares you've issued and um, what value you're setting, what you believe your sort of market capitalisation is. Mm. And, and at that point, um, we, we were also issuing shares for cash as well. So, so we matched the price, I guess, the market price that investors, seed investors were willing to meet. And when you were making this decision, what sort of pros and cons from your perspective were you weighing up? The pros for us were pretty very strong in that it's a partnership with someone like Stuart McAlpine, an award-winning biological farmer who's already just got amazing track record for being committed to getting people back to the wheat belt. So there was instantly really strong alignment to values and since then Stuart has been and accepted a position as a non-executive director with Wide, wide Open Agriculture. That was a huge, um, huge pro. Also, the ability just to talk openly and to have very transparent sort of um, discussions about what is fair between both parties. On the con side, I suppose we had to recognise that the parcel of land is isolated. You know, we're actually our head office is down in Williams, so we had to make a commitment to that area, and now we have. We've made a 20-year commitment to working in that Dalwallanew-Bunteen uh, region. I guess what we feel that we've achieved, though, is, is a win-win. It's a bit of a common term to use these days, but it feels like a really fair and equitable package, and that's why I think it's working well. Both parties are really happy. How unique is this arrangement that you have with Stuart? Well, I think vendor terms, you know, people will be pretty familiar with. Mm. Um, certainly before the big spike of the interest rates, I think vendor terms was something that was out there. So we kind of feel like we've adopted, we kind of used existing and certainly swapping land for shares. Um, that, that's pretty unique, I would say, particularly in a startup sort of mode. We're not, we're not yet ASX listed, but striving to. So that was a real um, commitment from Stuart, and we recognise that's been a really important part to get the deal through. So, yeah, the package of a, of a share deal and then um, vendor terms is pretty unique, but we hope this is only one of what could be other financial models, like wide open agriculture, actually, when we started. Uh, we recognise one of the key challenges for farmers to transition towards lower inputs or regenerative farming practices is, is access to finance and innovative finance approaches. Our chairman comes from a sort of a finance background, so it's always been a big point of um, discussion within our organisation. And we're, we're hoping to develop more, like a menu of options, actually, um, 
to allow to allow wide open agriculture to support farmers to transition towards more regenerative practices. Ben Cole from Wide Open Agriculture. You might have heard of them. They've been looking into greenhouses across the Wheatbelt. He was speaking there with Joe Prendergast about quite an intricate but interesting model of investment, uh, particularly in trying to acquire the land and making sure that those involved, those farmers in particular giving up some of their land, can get a return. Another person has texted in. Make sure you add your name and where you're from. Uh, on the text line, so we know who we're talking to. This person uh, says leasing is an option, but it's very difficult to find good quality properties to lease. That's in uh, relation to talking about young people trying to own their own farms. Another person on our Facebook page, underneath a photo that we've shared of Steve and Raquel Wainwright, who are trying to uh, get into owning their own farm property. Well, they've actually bought one in southwest of Victoria. Someone has uh, written up on there, Richard, who says, Nothing's impossible. Keep faith, work hard, and never stop making plans. Richard, too, is gunning to own his own farm one day. Hetty says, Best of luck, you two. You'd be an asset to any community. And Phil uh, mentions that he had a wonderful neighbour that he leased from and that neighbour helped them to get going, I'm guessing in terms of advice, and he got satisfaction from helping us young'uns get going. Thank you for your input there, Phil, as well. Michael simply adds, well done, Raquel and Steve, and congratulations to purchasing your property in Victoria. Let's hope they can get going. On tomorrow's Country Hour, we're going to take a look at potential investors into agriculture. News time now, one o'clock.